Welcome back. Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. Some of you don't feel a whole lot of life right now, much less love, and certainly not a whole lot of liberty. But I, I want to have, um, you know, something that Lynn Wood has been uh, a part of recently, our fireside chats, right? And I just left my warm, comfy fire to come down and chat with you guys for just a little bit because I, I find myself in a really interesting position. I have said for a number of years that there's nothing like having access, right? There's nothing like being trusted. When, when people ask me, what is the most important thing to me as a media personality? I always say it's the trust of those who follow me. And, and when I say follow, I mean those who entrust their ear gates and their eye gates to me because those are literally the highways into your soul. What you consume through your eyes and your ears will ultimately affect every aspect of your life. We say it all the time with regard to Hollywood and how Hollywood and my industry of music has completely hijacked the psyche and soul of our nation. They are the narrative shapers of my generation for sure. And art has certainly always had its place in society and the the age-old question of, you know, does society create the artist or does art create the society? Do they mirror each other? What, what's the egg and, and what's the chicken, right? I come from the world of ministry. And with that, I have been taught and trained, and I have placed my faith in the truth that all things begin in the spirit realm. Every single thing we see happening right now in our nation and across the globe first began in the spirit. Ephesians 6 and 12 tells us exactly what we are warring against and with whom we are warring. And it's not flesh and blood. It is first a spiritual battle that has now manifested in this earth, I've said it multiple times, that we are living through a time of a, a major family feud between God and Satan, good and evil, light and dark. Even your common atheist can look at what's happening. Your average atheist can take a look at what's happening around the world right now and see that there's there's a lack of light, right? May not call it evil or, or God or good. May not refer to entities or deities, as it were. 
they have simply erected um, more of a humanistic um, understanding of of what's happening. That somehow man in and of himself is, you know, just either something to be worshipped or something to be blamed for the fall of humanity. I do not come from that school. I also do not um, condemn people who do because uh, being in ministry, I have seen just about all and heard it all. And there are very real reasons that people have not come to the knowledge of Christ. And honestly, most of us have forgotten that the Bible says that it's God who adds to the church daily. So I don't spend a lot of time being angry with people who don't believe like me. But I'm talking to you this evening as a patriot, as a sister in creation, no matter who you think created you, as someone who has lived through a lot, a lot of really bad decisions, a lot of uphill and downhill failures, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a widow, um, yeah, right? Someone who's, who's, who's lived a little bit of life like most of you who follow me. And I, I want to take some time tonight to prepare your hearts and your minds for what is happening, what has happened, what is happening, and what is going to continue to happen in the way of revealing the truth of a lot of things uh, and a lot of people. I have been accused regularly of being too mm, Pollyanna-ish whenever it comes to people. I tend to believe that when God looked at everything, including us, and said that it was good, that he meant it. And I tend to believe that when Jesus died for our sins collectively and individually, went down into hell, snatched the keys from Satan, and ascended into the heavenlies and sat down at the right hand of the Father with his enemies as his footstool and placed me inside of him by my faith in him and you, by the way, if you have done so, that we were restored to our rightful good place after the fall. We were restored to a regenerated place. All things are become new is something that is in motion. It is a, it is a, um, it's a process. Some people will say all things have become new. That's why words matter. Translations matter. That's why I'm very funny about doing my word studies on things, not so I'll be a Hebrew or Greek scholar, even though I do speak Greek and read and write it because my father was Greek and I had to sit through god-awful enduring classes of, of Greek Greek school. Oh, man. <laughs> now I'm grateful. Oh, God has a sense of humor. But, um, but doing my, you know, with my love for words, words are like, oh, God. Words are the... Words are like food to me. I mean, like I'm a, I'm a foodie of words, if that's possible. 
Like I consume them. They're beautiful. They're like art. I mean, they're colorful. They're, they have, they're fragrant. They're aromatic. They're, they're life giving or they're death. The power of life and death is in your tongue as it is written. So I want to encourage you to watch who you're listening to, who you're lending your ear gates and your eye gates to, and what's coming out of your own mouth. And I, and I want to spend some time this evening preparing you for more truth to come. And I want to spend a little bit of time doing that by focusing on something called grief. Something I know just a little bit about. Grief is grief is interesting. Uh, you can you you can go through something in life and, and grieve it because it's part of how God designed us. It's part of our wonderful uh, and good creation. Okay. Grief can also be a spirit. You can have a spirit of grief that comes to plague your life. It inhabits you. It inhabits your thoughts. It inhabits your psyche. It inhabits your body, your chemistry. It inhabits you on a cellular level, and it is a spiritual entity, and it is something that you have agreed with. Uh, it can be generational grief. It can be things that come down through your generational DNA, through your bloodline. What we see happening right now nationally, you see a lot of outrage. I've, been, I've talked about this for years on my show. Unbeknownst to me, it was in preparation for this exact moment. But I'm, I just want to take a little bit of time tonight to, to give a little bit of a refresher course in this thing called grief. And why am I doing that? Because I would submit to you that we have not even begun to see the wailing and the gnashing of teeth in the way of the American psyche whenever you see the covers pulled back on what's coming, on what's happened, on what's been happening and who's been perpetuating the wickedness. And I want to prepare you because it's not only Democrats. It's not only people who you assume are wicked by virtue of their policies and how they have undermined their authority, their own authority, for years in Congress and in various positions of authority and power. They have ruled ruthlessly over you and over the poor. They have dealt unjustly with the poor and the poor in spirit. I'm not talking just monetary poor. I'm talking the poor in spirit. People who, in fact, have generationally been oppressed by thought and word and deed, and sadly, with the church's permission, with the church's blessing, uh, because the church too has been found wanting in the way of manipulation, deceit, greed, gluttony, lust, fornicating with the world, adopting the world's way of thinking and being and moving and breathing. And, and we're being called to task, but we're also, we're also enduring 
the answering of our prayers. Many of us have been praying for the light to be turned on, for the darkness to be revealed. And the old adage goes, be careful what you pray for. Are you prepared for what is being revealed? Or are you going to be overcome with grief to the point where you cover that up with anger, rage, accusation, denial, ultimately apathy? Because when the human psyche is overwhelmed, you will ultimately, for purposes of self-preservation, you will ultimately choose to deny something or ignore it, um, agree with it in order to preserve yourself. And, And I want to encourage you that in these days and in the coming days, you are not going to be self-sufficient enough to overcome the reality of the things the light is shining upon. You're going to need to prepare yourself to search for your comforter in the way of your creator with everything you have. The hashtags lately were vote, you know, the taglines were vote like your life depends on it because it does. I need you to seek God like your life depends on it because it does. The Bible says that in the last days, men's hearts will fail them because of lawlessness. And do you know why your hearts fail you? Because of fear, because of rage and anger. We're talking literally your hearts will fail you. People are dropping dead of stress, heart attacks. Our bodies are responding to the chaos around us. But I cannot express enough what a blessing this is and what answered prayer this is for us to be able to see the darkness that that surrounds us. The darkness that we've allowed to comfort us, we've just, and I'm telling you, there's been nothing more grievous to me in, in, since November the 3rd than having access to information that most of you don't have access to. And I don't say that proudly. Trust me, it has been somewhat of a burden because I've been entrusted by people whose lives could be taken if I share information with the wrong people at the wrong time. So it's been burdensome, but I have prayed about it, and I'm not really one to speak out of turn. Uh, It's not in my character uh, to expose something without having the permission uh, to do so from either my source or if my source turns out to be part of the darkness, on high. And there's still a strategy to exposing the darkness. There's a scripture that says that you don't take all of the land in one day, lest the land lay desolate. 
The Lord told me four years ago when Donald Trump took office and Pizzagate and other things were being exposed, and most of us look at that and go, what? There's no way children could be sacrificed and trafficked and and, and ordering children for sexual pleasure online by congressmen and women and people in fashion and, and entertainment. There's no way that could happen. What? There's no way people are that wicked. That's preposterous. In the in your mainstream media outlets convinced you that it was preposterous, that there's no way people are that evil. I'm here to tell you I've sat across from people in ministry who are exactly that plagued with evil. It is possible. It is absolutely possible, and it is happening right this moment. There is no level of depravity that the human being is incapable of reaching because we are first spirit beings, and we are influenced spiritually first, I believe. And yes, there can be a genetic component to psychosis and pathology. I do. I understand that in a diabolical nature. But remember, what is diabolical? It is devilish. Diablo is the devil. So when it comes to wrapping your mind around the things that are being exposed, remember, we, we, we prayed for this. And as I've lamented and I've, I've, I've wrestled, I've wrestled with myself, with God, with you, with, with you in my heart and in my mind, this isn't, this is no longer a profession for me. I mean, that ended when I was fired for speaking the truth, uh, back in April of this year, I was fired and then I was maligned and defamed by publicly, very nationally, by people I trusted and people I thought were my friends. That is diabolical. That is a demonic assignment to discredit the truth teller. I may be a lot of things, but one thing I'm not is a diabolical liar. I am not a disinformation giver. I do not... Um, believe in defaming uh, other people's character. People tend to do that on their own very well by their actions. I believe that maligning something is in fact malignant. And we have suffered through a metastatic experience in this nation for the past four years. And many of you are really tired. And I get it. But this isn't a profession for me. This is a calling. And I've struggled with what to share with you. And the best I can offer you, I know a lot of you want to know, what's next? What's coming? Is he? Is it going to be January 20th? Is it March? Is Q real? I mean, my gosh, my emails and my texts that just blow up just on the hour with, and I, and I understand, but I need you to take your peace. And when I say take your peace, I want you to take your peace like we're about to take this country back. I want you to understand that there's someone in front of you attempting to take your peace. Someone in front of you attempting to steal your peace, just as there are people in front of us attempting to steal our nation. 
Stop the Steal was not simply a hashtag campaign. That is a spiritual campaign. We Are at War is no longer a hashtag campaign. We are literally at war and have been because freedom and the war for it never ends. Be ye sober and vigilant for your enemy walks to and fro to see who he can devour. And why do you think they took Jesus out? What spirit was it that took Jesus out? A spirit of envy and jealousy, as it is written. What spirit has come against this nation since her inception to take her out? A spirit of envy and jealousy. It's happening right now. It's why everyone in the world wants our land, our resources. They want our spirit. They want the psyche of this nation. And because we've abdicated our God-ordained authority as a God-birthed nation, our enemies have gotten a foothold. I've done it in my personal life. You've done it too. We've all surrendered parts of ourselves. It could be finances. It could be your sexuality. It could be your lo- your heart. It could be your dreams, your hopes, your your physical health, your confidence, your own identity. We have an entire demographic of people who believe that mandating special accommodations in the form of homogenization of society is somehow going to repair and validate and justify someone's equality that God himself ordained in our Constitution said, Amen. Somehow, a spirit of humanism and secularism has infiltrated the church mainly because of of mammon, mainly because of mammon, when the church decided that even though she's never been taxed, according to our IRS code, the church has never been a taxable body. But someone came along to tell us, well, you might not be taxable, but let me add a little honey to that pot. How about if not only will we not tax you because that's how we've set this up for the church, but how about if people give you money and you promise not to talk about politics, you promise not to get involved with the governing of God's people. If you let us rule the way we want to, and you allow us to buy your silence 
with tax incentives and deductions from people who give you money and donations, then we'll add a little bit of honey to that pot for you. But if you talk about politics, if you put your godly, righteous identity uh, given, mandated, like you have literally been bequeathed by the living God to occupy the territory of the United States of America as a body of God-fearing believers who are bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, right? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. If you'll just surrender, we'll give you a crumb. And the church said, amen. And here we are. I've done it. You've done it. And collectively, we've done it. I believe the church needs to spend the next three to five days on our faces um, and in, in really in a holy grief, a holy grief, because a holy grief doesn't cause you to jump off of a bridge. A holy grief is never going to have you hang yourself from a tree like Judas. A holy grief is Peter who says, I can't face you, Lord, because I, I denied you. I betrayed you just like Judas did, not for money, but to protect my own arsh. I didn't want to die with you. I did exactly what you said I was going to do. And three times I said, I don't know that dude. I don't know him. I don't know him. And I ran and I left you to die as it was written that you were going to. But he had a holy grief. And when the Lord came to restore him, he was ready. And he didn't fight that battle himself. The Lord fought it for him. And he came and addressed Peter himself. And I'm telling you, I think as a nation, if you even have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, and you will take three to five days of your life, and you will repent, you will confess and turn from the comfort of being angry, of living in denial, of maligning, of hating, and of worshiping at the altar of fear and idolatry of man, I promise you that God himself will show up and heal this land in a way we have never seen before. And the courage and the peace and the joy that will rule in your households and in your bodies will be so much you won't be able to contain it. You will literally overcome 
all of this wickedness around you. I know it's counterintuitive. I know. I know. I know. My daughter was dying. My daughter was dying. Do you understand? She was on one of several deathbeds that she's been on with a horrible disease that she suffered for most of her youth. She was, she looked like she had escaped a concentration camp. It was so bad. Her body was riddled with disease. She was having a hard time breathing. I was told there was nothing else Western medicine could do for her. Take her home and pray. And if it's one thing I'm going to do, it's pray. And I do battle when I pray. I don't, I don't putz around. I understand that it's a battle, and I use my words as a sword. And I cut the heads off of every devil I'm facing. And that's exactly how I see it in the spirit realm. I'm a Joan of Arc of prayer, hands down. But I just didn't have it in me. I was done. I put my sword down. I was like, screw it. I'm tired. I don't even believe in this anymore. Like, I'm just tired. I've prayed. I fasted. I, you know, I've wailed. I've begged, borrowed, stole. Like, I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore, Lord. I can't. I don't even know. I don't believe you. I'm tired. I'm just done. And many of you are there too. So I get it. I get it. I get it. But my pastor at the time told me, Okay, and this is how long ago it was. I need you to go to Blockbuster. I need you to go to Blockbuster. Some of you younger people are like, what the heck's a Blockbuster? We'll just think of Netflix, but like, you know, uh, with a box. (laughs) A physical movie in a box. This is before DVDs. This is like the giant square things called VHSs. Go to, I need you to go to Blockbuster and rent as many funny movies as you can. And I was like, this dude is obviously on crack. Like, what? Okay. And he's extra at the time. Well, this particular pastor was, he had a very angelic nature about him anyway. He was, he was very calm and ugh, loving and kind. Just an amazing man. Still is. Um, and it just, God, you looked into his eyes and you're like, this has got to be what it's like to look in the eyes of Christ. Right? That kind of thing. Beautiful wife, kids, family, wonderful people. Go to Blockbuster. I know your kid can't breathe. There's nothing else they can do for her. She's got a high fever. She's bleeding. I mean, it was it's bad, super bad. I'm snotting, crying. I'm mad at God. I'm shaking my fists to the heavens. I'm. That's it. We're all defeated. He's abandoned us. He's left us. We're toast. He doesn't care about us. God who? God what? The church is stupid. Nobody gives a damn. I mean, it was bad. I, I Listen, I'm a messy Christian. I'm messy. I don't know about you. I'm messy. And my father knows it. And I'm messy for a reason. Because I was ha- I've had an inordinate amount of evil perpetuated on my little soul since I got here. And it is only by the grace of God that I can sit on these airwaves and tell you with absolute certainty I would put my life on it. And have that God has not abandoned this country. And he's not going to. And he's not so mad at us 
that he's just going to let us sit in our messy diaper and clean up our own mess. Don't you believe that for a second? And he's also not going to wink at the injustices that have been perpetuated on the poor in spirit and on our children. That is over. Those days of wickedness are about to be exposed in a manner in which most of you, without proper preparation of your heart and your mind, and being told and reminded to turn to your Creator for your comfort in these days, you won't survive it. You might survive it temporarily, but it will have a generational impact on your life, on your health, on your psyche, ultimately your soul. I went to Blockbuster, and I got all those movies. This makes me cry. And I went home, and this is why I implore you to read your Bibles. Because when he said it, my flesh rose up like, you stupid man. Nobody feels like laughing My daughter's at death's door. But I remembered the scripture that says, laughter is as a medicine. And I'm like, all right, the one last thing I'm going to try. What do I have to lose? I have nothing else to lose. What am I going to, what am I afraid of? I'm going to look stupid. I have nothing else to lose. So I go to Blockbuster and I get the tapes. Come home. We crawled up in that little bed, popped in those movies, and laughed our butts off all night. And her fever broke. And her color came back to her face. And she got up out of that bed and lived another day. And that is the power of the spoken and written word. That's why words matter. The word mixed with my faith of the grain of a mustard seed. (laughs) If you've ever seen a mustard seed, you already know how small it is. But the grain of of a mustard seed, that little bit of faith. I'm literally sitting at my desk right now and I'm looking, someone's like, oh, is it that from the fall? I have like a stalk of this beautiful, this cute little thing I purchased in like a home goods store. And um, and it's like a, a little bundle of wheat. And I keep it on my desk with a beautiful little country bow around it. I keep it on my desk to remind me of the wheat and the chaff. And when I am convicted that I could be coming part of the chaff, I quickly try to get myself together and I submit myself back to my father. And I allow him to contend with me and to disciple me and bring others around me who can disciple me. And in case you've forgotten, to disciple means not only to discipline someone, but to teach them the discipline of righteousness. We tend to think that God is very angry with us and he is very angry with injustice and unrighteousness. Um, 
and and listen, when it comes to the children, this is a big deal. I'm just telling you, it's a big deal. To see children oppressed is a big deal. So that is something he is contending with right now on the earth, I firmly believe. And I believe that your eyes might actually um, be subjected to some atrocities that most of you are just not prepared for. And I need you to get prepared. So the wheat and the chaff, my grain of mustard seed, and I, I believe in my heart, and the word says that the, the, the Holy Spirit of God roams to and forth, like his eyes go to and fro across the earth, just looking for one person who believes him to align with. So when only 3% of the church knows what's in the manual of life, the manual of life, can you imagine flying a helicopter and not reading the manual, not going to school? I mean, doing life is like flying a helicopter. I don't know if you've ever flown a helicopter, but I have, and it's awesome. And I love it because there's like 50,000 different things you're doing at one time. And every single part of your, I mean, you're wearing it for God's sakes. Your feet are moving, your hands are moving, your eyes are moving, your ears are moving. You are, you are in control of a lot of moving parts on that thing. And I love it because it's not just a static flight, right? I mean, fixed wing flight is fun, but it's not the same as flying a helicopter. <laughs> you can do a lot of cool things in a helicopter, and you can also kill people very quickly in a helicopter. Um, imagine, a life is a lot like flying in a helicopter. There are all these moving things, moving parts, and you know, life comes at you fast sometimes. Most of you are so comfortable in your little fixed wing. We will now be serving, you know, which they don't no longer do, by the way, for COVID. Um, you know, we'll be coming through with the cart. Please move your arms and get things out of the aisle and, you know, choose your beverage, coffee, tea, or me. We'll be through the aisle in a moment. And, um, you know, the lights are turned down and someone else is flying the plane. And most of us have been on autopilot for so long that now that everything's been you know, jostled, my God, I see it right now with people who have been, who have bought their way to the table of politicians. They've paid to put wicked people in place. And perhaps most of you don't even know that you've done it. I I, I want to believe that, that most of the donors I've spoken with recently don't even know the level of ratchet, wretched wickedness that the people they've placed in office have have practiced in their hearts and minds for years, for years. But it doesn't matter to some of you because you're just happy to sit at the table with your idol. You're just happy to have a seat at the table with traitors. You love the fact that you get a text message where you can, I have access. To whom? People in bed with China? Our adversaries? People who traffic children, people who agree with pedophiles, is that your access point that you're so happy with because you can actually get something done in your comfortable, miserable little life? Comfort is a killer. There's a difference between contentment and comfort. Be ye content in all things, in poverty, in wealth, in hunger, in being satiated, 
um, in having access and not having access, right? Being cold, being hot. Be content with the things with which you have. Why? So you don't covet other people's stuff, other people's spouses, other people's gifts, other people's, you know, uh, power. Boy, isn't power fleeting. Don't we see that now? And God is moving through the earth. I love it. I just had a vision of like a giant street sweeper in a vacuum. And he's just moving through this country right now with a giant street sweeper and a suction cup attached to the side of that sucker. And, you know, like a, what are those things called in hockey? Um, I've got like the Gambino crime family in my head, but you know what I'm talking about. And they smooth the ice out. It's that. But it's God, right? God's coming through the country right now and uh, disclosing a lot of things. And, and, you know, I sound like a crazy person to a lot of people. What else is new? But I'm not. Most of us who have read the word, who not only just read the word, but believe the word and have had to put that word in practice in our lives, in moments of life and death and poverty and destruction and being lied about, lied to and lied on and raped and assaulted and molested and down and out in life. When I tell you to run to God like your life depends on it, it's because I have and it does. And you will not survive these current times without doing so. Your soul will not survive intact. We're comfortable. We have been comfortable in our captivity for a very long time. And I don't say that to shame you or fault you. I say that with the ultimate mercy and grace because I have done it too. I cannot stress that enough. And we've done it as a nation. We have been too comfortable with the lies and the deceit. I live in Fulton County, Georgia. My county has been mocked for the past 20 years for the corruption it practices where their voting practices are concerned. My city is currently at a crime rate of over 200% what it was last year. I was recently asked on a radio interview, in a radio interview, why do I think that's occurred? And I have laid the entire onus at the feet of one individual who embodies a spirit of dissension, envy, jealousy, and division unlike any female I've ever encountered in politics in the state of Georgia. And that's saying a lot because I've encountered a lot of them. Our mayor has caused more division in the city that has bred lawlessness. It has bred entitlement. It has bred envy and jealousy, rage, hatred, and anger. It has fed into the narrative of not having an identity outside of the government's assignment of one. It has fed into the need to annihilate one demographic's identity, hard-earned wealth, and, quote, status in society 
in order to uplift another who has been oppressed for generations by people who look like them and who vote like them. And the church has gotten in bed with this demonic ideology because the church profits, because the church lusts after false power. That is why my city has gone to hell in a handbasket. We have become comfortable. And the white Republicans have laughed all the way to the governor's mansion every election cycle because at least they can keep the blacks in the city and let them have the city as long as we keep we get to keep the governor's mansion. That is a running conversation in the state of Georgia. It is a gentleman a gentleman's understanding agreement. And because we have been comfortable with that arrangement in the shadows, in the darkness, and in the recesses of our very capitals hallways, certain people found a way to capitalize on the national narrative of national guilt, reparations, and envy and jealousy over identity that only God can give you. It's true. And when I've said and lost my job for saying it, this is just one truth bomb that I would drop regularly on my radio show. What happens in the beehive affects all of you around us. Quit laughing. Quit mocking. Please help us. It's not enough to point your finger at the blacks for voting for their oppression over and over and over again. It's not enough to mock. It's not enough to say, that's not my problem. And I hope that you can look around the country right now and see that it's all your problem. When people say, focus on what matters, can I leave you with this tonight? Everything matters. It all matters. When the Bible says we will be held accountable for every idle word we've spoken, that's, that's pretty intense. Like, that gets down to the details, right? That's not just the devils in the details. Like, that's God being like, okay, let's talk about, let's kind of review what you spoke throughout your life. Was it truth? Was it lie? Did you help the oppressed? Did you feel, it's not enough. All of your feed the hungry campaigns. Are you kidding me right now? We just ran a Senate race in the state of Georgia with over $300 million dumped into that. You're going to tell me that we can't feed our children? We spend $88 billion a year on Halloween. And, and, you, and you need a feeding fund at your church? Here's a feeding fund. Why don't you encourage people to read their Bibles? Encourage people to feed from the table of life as opposed to the trough of man. Your creator is sitting right there, right now, right here with us, knocking at the door. His spirit is knocking at the door of your soul, your heart, and your mind. And I, again, I have more information that I can shake a stick at of what's happened, what's happening, and what's going to happen. 
And I'm not going to share that with you right now. Some of it I'm not at liberty to share with you. Other things your hearts and minds are just not prepared for. And I don't say that to accuse you. I'm, I'm imploring you to get ready. I cannot stress that enough. I'm not being dramatic. I am, I'm not being anything other than I'm just as grieved as the rest of you. And I know from personal experience and from ministering for over 12 years of my life that people hide behind a spirit of grief and under a spirit of grief and you live oppressed and you get comfortable with it and you get comfortable with the darkness and you get comfortable with being blind. And I'm telling you, the light is about to shine and the things that your eyes are going to see, your mind won't allow you to believe. Lest your hearts fail you. Now, I want to encourage you with something. I hope this whole broadcast has been encouraging. But I'm going to tell you something. I really believe that if we will collectively get together in our, you don't have to get online and announce it. If you agree with me on this, just do it. Fast from something. It can start tomorrow. It can start Monday. If it's a day, if it's two days, if, it, if it's three, if it's five, But I would encourage you to look around at the sin of winking at evil, turning a blind eye to it, agreeing with the blindedness, being content in your own efforts, in your own strength, in your own apathy, in managing just your own little psyche, right? In turning your back on politics turning your back on the governance of a body of people, maybe spending too much time in rage, whatever it is that you personally have fallen prey to, whatever your part, whatever your role and where and how we got to where we are in this country, and it's not just the Democrats, whatever your part is, I implore you to confess that, allow God to forgive you of that, allow him to wash you from all unrighteousness of that, and allow him to restore you to him so that you can be restored in your heart and your mind. So whenever these other things come, you know where to take shelter. You know that Psalm 91 is where it's at. You know that Psalm 23, which actually I want to read before we go. I came to my spirit tonight as I was talking with an an angel of mine about doing this broadcast. And I was like, God, I'm so overwhelmed with what do I share? What don't I share? And it just was like, wow, yeah, this is, this is exactly what needs to be shared, and we both agreed. And so here I am as we watch the president, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, Code Monkey, other people that, you know, we've gotten our information from, people who have been responsible for, you know, peeling back the curtain for us to see the roaches scatter. 
as they go to parlor and, and parlor's been down a lot because the bandwidth just can't take everyone running to parlor and other reasons as well. I want to encourage you. I will be on the air as often as you, as I can be as often as you need me to be. If you need prayer, you reach out to me, Monica at MonicaMatthews.com. I am here. I'm here for you and I need you to be here for me. But I am here for you, and I believe that our better days are ahead of us. I absolutely believe that. But we're, we've got to go through the valley of the shadow of death, and that's where we are. We are, we are, at, the, we are at the beginning of that path, and that's why I want to read this. You ready? Psalm 23, King James Version, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is for you. That is his comfort for you. We are at the the precipice. We're at the beginning of the path of the valley of the shadow of death. You think we've gone through the valley of the shadow of death as of November 3rd, and what we saw happen this week in Congress, that is not true. We are standing at the beginning of this walk. And I'm telling you, his rod and his staff will comfort you. You can walk beside still waters and lie down and take your peace. Please don't go to bed afraid. Please don't allow that spirit in your home with your babies. They need to see you rise and to flee for protection in Psalm 91. And I will let you go read that. That's your homework for tonight because the Lord meets you whenever you meet him. And when your eyes rest upon his word, he will show you things. Some of you are like, I don't understand that stuff. It's Chinese. Ugh. Bad analogy, Monica. It's Swahili, whatever. It's a foreign language. It's Greek. I don't get it. I'm telling you right now, and I want to speak this over you. If you will earnestly seek the Lord, I'm believing for you and with you that when your eyes rest upon that word and you ask him to speak to your soul and to your spirit by his spirit, that your eyes will be opened. When you follow the protocol of God's protocol, You confess your sins, you ask for his mercy, which he will liberally, 
liberally apply his wisdom to you and without finding fault. Some of you don't feel like you're worthy. I I just want you to kick that off. Just shed it, kick it to the curb. That is a devil holding on to your leg of shame, maybe unsettled grief. You know, you feel bad about the things you've done. You feel guilty. You feel unworthy. Maybe someone's told you that your whole life. Maybe it's because of the crappy things you've done. I don't know. So have I. Get in line. You do not get a reward for being crap. You don't get the reward of being the crappiest Christian ever. Sorry. Tell self-pity to go back to hell where it came from. This isn't the time for all that. Our generations need you. Our country needs you. You've got to pick yourself up. And the only one coming to save us is not Donald Trump, and it's not your United States military. It's not General Flynn. It's not Lynn Wood. It's not me. It's not Sidney Powell. It's not Code Monkey. It's not any number of people that we've placed our faith in. It is not man. I'm telling you right now, it is not man. It is God Almighty. Seek him with everything you have, and you will find him. He's standing right there. Read his word. It is breathing. It is alive. It bears witness with your spirit. If you don't know what's in it, you don't know what truth to stand on. You're standing there in a in a nuclear war with a butter knife. And some of you are like, well, David only had a slingshot and a, and a stone up against a giant. Yeah, what do you think his stone was? He was standing on the rock. It was the rock. It was the word of God. Jesus himself had to defeat Satan in the desert with the word, his own word. He wrote it. He was the word. My God. Can you wrap your mind around this? You think you're going to overcome evil with your own antics and feelings, right? Your little Bible verses that you remember from, you know, kindergarten, little pictures of Jesus. We've done our kids such a disservice. They don't even know the power of God. They don't know the authority of God. And then we wonder why they don't know their identity and their power and their authority in the earth. And we wonder why our babies are sucked down tubes. And they're raped and they're murdered and they're sold for sex. And they're on channels called OnlyFans and they sell their bodies and their sexuality and their beauty to to perverts who sit on the other end of the... Listen, and, and most of us struggle with a spirit of perversion. Let's just be real. We're not all holy. Most of us have an issue with something that's perverted, whether it's our, about our own identity or it's our sexuality or it's, you know, whatever. It's policy. It's our lust for power. That's a perversion. That is a perversion of creation. So we all struggle with something. But our children don't know who they are, neither do we. And one of the reasons why is because we don't know who he is. And when Donald J. Trump sat stood at the prayer breakfast just this just last year and referred to God Almighty as his father. I was like, oh, you got me. You got me, sir. You got me. If I ever had the opportunity to serve in his administration as a spiritual advisor, I would literally leave family, home, riches, wealth, you name it, I would drop it, my dog, and I love my Pomeranian. I'd leave the South, and I'd go to that swamp, D.C., with my butt on fire, literally. And I would have his back to the nth degree because that's who I am, and that's how I was fashioned, 
and I would speak the word over that man and I would be honest and just like I am with you. And I would look forward to the opportunity to do so. I would literally leave it all behind to go do it and serve in that capacity because he won my heart. He's the only president in history, in the history of this country, to refer to our creator as our father, the father, our father. Do you know how, God, that's a man with a revelation. I mean, he started out with two Corinthians. And my jackass conservative colleagues made fun of it. All you sanctimonious holy ones made fun of him. You know, all of y'all who look nice, you're, you know, your pincers. Now, that's what I can call you, your vice president pincers, right? You smell good, you look good, you speak good, you're quiet, you don't meet with other women without your wife, all that stuff, right? Yeah, okay, we hear you. And now we know who the vipers are, right? But y'all made fun of him. They made fun of him. For saying two Corinthians, because you don't want to give somebody the grace to grow into God. You don't want to give someone the grace and the mercy to be discipled by the Spirit of God. Sanctimonious vipers. Now, speaking of vipers, some of you have asked me why I will not support Vernon Jones for anything. And I'm not going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to leave you with that because I wanted to feed your spirits tonight. And if you've hung with me this long, thank you. I appreciate you and I'm humbled and I'm honored that you would give me this time to minister to your heart and to your soul. It's important. You matter. You have to come through this intact. Do you understand me? And it's going to be okay. It is. It's going to be okay, but I need you to run to our father in the words of Donald Trump, to our father, run like your life depends on it because it does. I love you. I'll be back tomorrow. I think I don't even know what day of the week it is. My God, I just got back from DC. I'm so tired. I'm going to hang out. Speaking of fires, I'm going to sit next to mine. You can follow me. Well, for now I'm on Twitter <laughs> at Monica on air talk. I'm the Monica Matthews show. I think on parlor. I don't know the Monica Matthews on Facebook, but you can always catch me on my website. Kind of. It was hacked last night. So that's fun. Monica uh, you can always hit me up at Monica at MonicaMatthews.com too. I love you. If you need prayer, reach out. It's going to be okay. Be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one. She came for me.